Welcome to the Israel Conversation by Massah Leadership and Impact Center, the content engine behind Massah Israel Journey. We bring contemporary, challenging, and compelling Israel issues to light in ways that help us stay connected with what's really going on on the ground. I am your host, Michael Unterberg, here as always with co-host... Liel Zahaviasa. How you doing, Liel? I'm great. How are you, Michael? Good, thank God. So our topic for today is difficulties uh, in the diaspora Jewish community with their relationship uh, with Israel. And for that, we have a special mm-hmm. guest. Would you please introduce him? I just found out you already knew him. Yeah, yeah. Go way back. Um, so we, our guest today is Chaim Shalom. Uh, he is the rabbi and director of Keilat Mikvech She Derech, a progressive synagogue community in Jerusalem. He grew up in the United Kingdom, but moved to Israel, where he now lives with his partner and three children. He has spent most of his career in the field of Jewish education, but he has also served as a congregational rabbi in Israel and the UK, as well as serving on the board of Hu- Rabbis for Human Rights and the Israel, Israel Religious Action Center. He worked for many years for Netzel, the Zionist youth movement of the worldwide reform movement, and he himself was inspired um, and where he was able to educate a whole new generation, a whole new generation. So welcome, Chaim. Welcome, Chaim. Okay. Hi. Hi. Nice Thanks for here. joining us. Yeah. So um, I want to hear a little bit more about your personal background, but first I really want to sort of lay out the topic. Our producer, Matt Lippman, saw a post that you made on Facebook where That's you- right where you were sort of pondering this odd, I don't know if paradox is the right word, that you see in, in expressions about uh, from diaspora Jews about Israel. Can you sort of refresh us or explain to our listeners what it was you were wondering a lot about? And, and you asked for responses and discussion. So, of course, in our podcast, we decided to take you up on it. Right. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you for taking me up on it. Thank mm-hmm. you to uh, Matthew Lippman for the introduction. Um, and thank you to you guys for having me on. Uh, it's mm-hmm. great to be here. Uh, the question that I was looking at um, is, is a difficult one. Um, uh, I prefaced that Facebook uh, post by saying it's very clear, at least to me and to the vast majority of people who uh, know me in Israel, that I have no problem putting myself, um, despite the fact that I'm a rabbi of a congregation and they may have a problem with it, um, but I don't have a problem putting myself on the Israeli left. Mm-hmm. Okay? I see myself as a left winger. Um, and uh, my question was to my friends and allies on the left in uh, outside of Israel, mm-hmm. um, with one of the things that's Specifically that Jews. Specifically Jews, yes. Yeah. My my Jewish friends outside of Israel, mm-hmm. um, and I have many of them. I work in a number of frameworks where I work with Jews from the diaspora. No, it's okay that you have friends um, who are Jews. We don't look down at you for that. You have to apologize. <laughs> I also actually, would you believe it, also have some friends who aren't Jewish. Unbelievable. Some of my best um, friends. But, <laughs> yeah. Some of my best friends aren't Jewish. Yeah. Um, uh, but the truth is the vast majority of my friends are Jewish, and actually mm-hmm. probably more outside of Israel than in Israel. I mm-hmm. grew up outside of Israel, but I now live here and most of my life is in Israel, but I still have a lot of connections um, to friends, family, etc., who are steeped in the Jewish left. Um, And the question that I posed, and it's not really just for the left, um, in fact, in many ways, it's even more so for Jewish right-wingers, and we'll see the complexities maybe, um, but the American diaspora 
I'm using those both terms, but I really mean American, but it can be true of anywhere from the diaspora. And as you can probably mm-hmm. tell from my accent, and if you remember from what Liel said, I grew up mm-hmm. in the UK. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Liel uh, used the nice sanitized version that Matt edited. I actually was very mean about the UK Jewish community, mm-hmm. um, but they are lovely people generally. Um, well, we figured you could Matt. make those jokes, but it wouldn't be so yeah, nice exactly right. Us. I'm yeah. allowed to say that. Um, yeah. But the... Uh, but the diaspora Jewish community feels very invested in Israel. Um, it feels like Israel is theirs. Mm-hmm. It feels like this country in some way belongs to them. And the truth mm-hmm. of the matter is, Israel has been telling them that for mm-hmm. a long, long time. Yeah. Okay, Israel as a country is invested in the idea that Zionists, and I'm using air quotes, even if you won't be able to hear this on your podcast later. They're very audible. Okay, yeah. Um, but Zionist Jews um, should take an interest in Israel. And really what that means, obviously, is should send us their money. Okay? Um, let's not pretend well, that Israel has not radically encouraged, not radically, that's the wrong word, greatly encouraged um, sure. diaspora Jews to send their money to Israel uh, to help us out. Also themselves. Mm-hmm. That's why there's a law of return encouraging them. The right. Declaration now, of Independence. Uh, yeah. Now that's a whole different thing. Um, I don't. I think Liel is a native-born Israeli, but I'm relatively sure Mike Ish. and myself are both people who have moved uh, to this country of our own mm-hmm. free will. Even if Liel was born somewhere abroad, she I'm, clearly was. I moved. <laughs> okay. Um, so the point is, she didn't choose to take uh, advantage of the right of return. No. Myself and Mike did. No. Also, no, Mike. No, no, me. Yeah, no, you yeah. did. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, and and that is. Separate that out. Let's separate out the whole law of return. Issue. Right. But on the non-law of return issue, we want Jews to be invested here. Well, uh, I, actually, the, the, the only reason I bring it up is it's it's a, not 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 that we, our topic today is Aliyah, but that the state of Israel is telling diaspora Jewry, you we belong to you. You can come here and pick up your citizenship anything you want. If you do, we greatly encourage donations and concern and all of that. But it's I'm 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 sort of trying to strengthen your point that the state of Israel has been telling diaspora Jewry, we're yours. I think actually we're kind of in a way jumping to the end of this conversation, but I'll say something about that. Mm-hmm. I think once upon a time, the Zionist movement was telling Jews, you need to move to Israel. Mm-hmm. And actually, most of our problems come from when we stopped saying that. Mm. Okay, we actually made a deal with American Judaism and the American Jewish establishment. We will stop undermining your whole existence. Okay, Mm -hmm. we will stop going on about how pathetic and unreal Jewish diaspora existence is and how meaningless it all is if you give us your money. (laughs) That's a deal that the Zionist movement made with American Jewry. I'm now saying that deal has to end. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying we should go back to telling them that their Jewish lives are not worthy, okay? I mean, I am a beep, um, but um, I'm not that much of a beep. Um, uh-huh. So, um, like, I'm not saying we should carry on telling them that, you know, Jewish life outside of Israel is not really meaningful, even though that is actually what I believe. Um, but as I said, I don't want to be a beep, Um but you have excellent self-editing ed- technology that works very well. There you go, excellent yeah. technology. Uh, it's Liel on a little button, I promise. <laughs> um, um, but but the point is, um, we do need to stop taking their money because of the other uh, side of the uh, conversation that I'm about to get into, go which for is, it. and this goes back to the original post. Yeah, 
many people on the Jewish left and on the Jewish right say that they love Israel. Mm-hmm. Okay, they say that what they do outside of Israel in the diaspora is for Israel. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, they are acting often in opposite ways: the American Jewish right and the American Jewish left. Okay, the American Jewish left is acting to c- pressure the American government to pressure the Israeli government to make peace with the Palestinians, which mm-hmm. means ending the occupation. Mm-hmm. Okay, separate conversation entirely on questions around, do we call it the occupation? Is it the occupation? We'll ignore that for now. But that's, okay? you, you've articulated their position well and clearly. Okay. And yeah. The American Jewish yeah. left wants to pressure the American government to pressure the Israeli government to end the occupation. Mm-hmm. The American Jewish right wants to pressure the American government to not do anything at all to annoy Israel, mm-hmm. but if anything at all, to essentially keep Israel as an ally against Iran. Okay, so not do anything. So it's almost saying, please don't make peace with the Palestinians because we need the Palestinian issue to continue to be a wedge. Okay, because we want you to be an ally against Iran. Okay, because that's the um, agenda of the American right. So the American Jewish left and the American Jewish right are at odds over Israel. And they both claim that they want what's best for Israel. Now, the American Jewish right has the upper hand, as it were. I I don't know that they're pressuring the American government not to make a deal with Palestinians. I think they're pressuring the – I think that the establishment in America, which says it's not the right, but it is, says says that they're trying to pressure the American government to just follow Israel's – just follow Israel's guide. If that means status quo – you support Let the Israel government. Do what it, Let Israel what it do wants. what it has to do, yeah. Um, yeah. That may be true, okay, but it's also been untested for many, many years. Yeah. Since the beginning of the reign of King Bibi, okay, we've barely had an Israeli government here that has wanted to do anything that the American right would not be happy with. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we don't know, and it's too young in the current government's uh, right. life to know what it might do. But if there was a genuine government of the left in Israel, it's very possible that all of a sudden there would be an actual anti-peace movement in the American right. Why? Because as we know, the American right is actually fueled by the Christian evangelical right, who actually are deeply invested in there being no peace process. Okay? The well, I guess, Amer- I guess the it depends on if you're talking right about... Are you talking about the establishment? Are you talking... In the establishment, if you look at APAC, historically, APAC has existed when there were left-wing governments in Israel. Now, it's been a while. Right. Yeah, no. And don't get me wrong. APAC also, though, is still trying to pretend that it's not part of the right. Right. Okay? I'm not talking about APAC, which is, let's let's call it the American Jewish right. But the actual right wing of America oh, is invested uh-huh. in the not being a peace process. Okay. Um, and, and the interesting thing is, you know, how much does the American Jewish right go along with that agenda mm-hmm. as it sees these people as their current allies? I see. Okay? And that's all. It, now, don't get me wrong. I, I recognize that still to some extent, the American Jewish right does have an advantage over the American Jewish left. Mm-hmm. because Israel is to the right of where most of American Jews are. Mm-hmm. So American Jewish right says all we do is support Israel. Mm-hmm. We don't care what Israel actually does. We just will support her right or wrong. Now, don't mm-hmm. get me wrong. That's not a true friend, and we all know that. Okay, mm-hmm. True friends don't say, I'll support you also if you want to drive over right. a cliff. Right. Okay, And that's, my, that's why I'm not part of the right Okay, in any country. Okay, 
Um, but the American Jewish right says it supports Israel and it loves Israel and it wants Israel to be able to do what it wants. Mm-hmm. Okay, and the American Jewish left says it supports Israel, it loves Israel, and because it loves Israel, it's telling it that the occupation is really, really bad for it. Mm-hmm. Okay, the occupation is bad for Israel. So here we have a situation. I on the Israeli Jewish left, although Jewish is not relevant there. Okay, mm-hmm. I on the Israeli left um, agree with my friends on the American Jewish left. Mm-hmm. Okay, and I don't agree with my friends on the American Jewish right. Okay, I don't believe that Israel should carry on doing whatever it wants. Mm-hmm. Okay, I believe that Israel has to stop the occupation. Mm-hmm. But my issue with the American Jewish left is you and I believe that Israel needs to do the right thing. Okay, but I believe that in order to tell Israel that, I need to come here and make Aliyah and be a part of the process. Mm-hmm. You believe that you can stay in America and tell Israel to do that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, hold on a second. In every other situation where the left looks at a problem, we always, always, always say that the central actors must have their voices centralized, okay? When we show solidarity with black Americans, we don't talk for black Americans, okay? We don't talk for African Americans. We try and say we should center African American voices in the struggle for their own liberation, Mm -hmm. okay? And equally, non-Israeli American Jews should, in my opinion, okay, find it obvious that they should be centering Israeli voices and Palestinian voices, okay, Mm -hmm. in the resolving of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, okay? Why does that not happen? Why is it that American Jews believe that they do have the right to talk? And you already gave the answer that most American Jews on the left will give. We're not outsiders. We're insiders. Mm -hmm. And I think that 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 for me is is the crux of attention here. There's a tension. Are American Jews insiders or outsiders to the political process and the political conversations that go, uh, that take part around, that take place around the occupation? And my argument is they are not really insiders. The American Jews in the diaspora must accept that as long as they don't make Aliyah, as long as they do not move here, there are certain things that they should not and cannot, in good conscience, do to affect the outcome of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Well, you also pointed out that there's this there's this expression in, in response to the anti-Semitism going on in the diaspora. You're mad at us for Israel, but we're not Israel. So you're saying you often see people playing at both sides of that contradictory argument. Right. Yeah, I was going to say, like, what is a, just a regular, like, average American Jew to do when, on one hand, I, and I understand your point, on the other hand, if there's a war in Israel, they get attacked with anti, all kinds of anti-Semitic, uh, whether that's, you know, virtually or physically in the streets. So, yes, they're outside, but also they're inside because there's this inherent connection that they feel, even if they want to ignore it, they still feel it. There are a number of answers as to what they should do. Um, I could go back to being a beep and say, make Aliyah. Okay? There, there, no problem. Okay? Make well, Aliyah. Now you're one of us. Yeah. Right. Uh, so, so that's the easy answer. Okay? It's not a good answer. These people aren't going to make Aliyah. Okay? Mm-hmm. Just because they um, uh, are the victims of anti-Semitism in America, they're not going to make Aliyah. Okay? I think it's wrong to say they're victims of anti-Semitism because of what happens here. Mm-hmm. If there is really anti-Semitism, then that's hatred of Jews. It's nothing to do with what happens here. Okay? Well, that's sort of the hatred argument is that they're they're mad that people who are, in their argument, 
they're saying there are people who are justifiably angry at Israel. Why are you blaming us and, and being mean to us? It's not mm-hmm. our responsibility. And and I, I I I do have a level of sympathy in that. There is an assumption being made that if you're Jewish, that you not only have you, a connection to Israel, but a level of responsibility in Israel's behavior, and that these that that very often diaspora Jewry denies. Right, and and I think what you're doing is you're 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 pointing out um, this huge tension. By the way, okay. it's on it's on the, the American the right exists. as well. There was there was a degree of discomfort, for instance, when President Trump at a meeting of uh, Jewish Republicans said, "I was speaking to your prime minister the other day," and a lot of people were very uncomfortable with that phrasing that he's not our prime minister, you're our president. We don't have you know. Yeah. So there is absolutely, there, and, yeah. and obviously, I agree that they should be uncomfortable with that phrasing yeah. by President Trump. Okay, when President Trump talks to Jewish Americans, he talks to them as their president. And I'm saying exactly the same thing. When Jewish Americans talk to the American government, they should do so as Americans. Yeah. Okay? It's great that Jews care about what happens here. Yeah. Okay? I'm quite happy that other people hold my opinion that this is the theater for Jewish history to play out. Mm -hmm. Okay? From now on, this is where Jewish history gets written. Mm -hmm. Okay? You don't write the history of the people of Greece and talk that much, you may mention it, about the Greek diaspora in North America. Mm-hmm. Okay, The history of Greece is, is written in, in Greece. Mm-hmm. The history of the people of Israel is written in Israel. Mm-hmm. We had an exile for uh, 1,900 years. It's come to an end. We're home. Okay, This is where our history is being written. Okay, that's me as a as a kind of brainwashed Zionist talking. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not big into the term Zionist anymore. It's not that meaningful to me. But bottom line, I buy into that notion of how to look at Jewish history. Okay, this is where it's happening. Okay, and American Jews who have chosen not to come home, in my weird Zionist view of things. Mm-hmm. Okay, but it's not that weird. Okay, but in my view of things, American Jews who've chosen not to come home must recognize that choice. And they must say, look, there are certain things that as a Jew, I am involved in Israel, but there are certain things that mean I am an American. And so when I talk to the American government, I do so as an American. Okay, and organizations which claim to speak for the Jewish community can speak for the Jewish North American community. Absolutely. Of course they can. But if they want to pressure Israel, they should talk to Israel. They don't talk to the American government to then talk to Israel. And the point being, obviously, that I object to American involvement in Israel, okay? As far as I'm concerned, Israel would be better off, and this obviously is a radical opinion, okay, which most people don't agree with, but we would better off ceasing to be a vassal of the one American superpower, okay? I don't believe it's in our long-term interests to continue to be a vassal of the United States of America. And every well-meaning member of the American Jewish left who uses their power and privilege as an American citizen to tell Israel what to do via the American government is taking part in the new colonialism of American intervention around the world, whether it be military or other intervention. And that should actually stop. As a left winger, I think that left wing Americans are mistaken in using the power of the American government to pressure Israel, even if I agree that what they're trying to do in the end is the same thing that I'm trying to do here. Okay, I want to end the occupation. They want to end the occupation. But there is a right and wrong way to do it. And the right way to do it is if you really care that much, come here. Come
come to Israel, work inside Israel to stop us being an occupying power. All right, so I'll devil's advocate uh, and say, first of all, you said that they should be speaking directly to the uh, Israeli government. Well, the American Jewish left has learned from bitter years of experience that the Israeli government really doesn't care what they think about anything, including, uh, you know, the... The, the the space at the Kotel for mixed prayer areas that that they said they would do and then they didn't do. So there's a frustration that, and as you pointed out earlier, Israeli governments have, have been right, not entirely since the collapse of Oslo, but mostly, and you know certainly during what you call the reign of King Bibi, there's been nobody listening to the American left in Israel in any significant or meaningful way. And so if they feel the only way to make a difference. In other words, I, I don't think you're saying that they shouldn't be allowed to write op-eds in their local papers expressing their opinion about Israel, right? You're talking about direct, you're talking a- about J everyone Street. Everyone has freedom of speech and I 100% agree with freedom yeah. of speech. You're talking about J okay? Street. You're talking about an, lobbying the American government to pressure Israel. I'm talking about lobbying the American government to pressure Israel. I'm talking about also, I guess, on, on some level, um, the responsibility that anyone has in the world about what they say and do with regard to a foreign country, okay? Um, We have somehow accepted, Mm -hmm. okay, and I think that this is absolutely ridiculous and to some extent incredible and certainly bonkers crazy, but we've accepted the term Mm pro-Israel as if that means something. Like, Mm -hmm. what does that mean? Yeah. I am pro-Israel. Is Israel taking part in a football match against the Palestinians? And I'm on the side of Israel. Okay, well, to be that's fair, the I only am, thing that that could actually mean. I am pro-Azerbaijan. So, and I, you know, I right, state my exactly. That's what I'm saying. Okay, you're pro-Azerbaijan. I'm pro-Guinea-Bissau. Yeah. Liel is pro. Uh, I was going to say Swaziland, but Swaziland doesn't call itself Swaziland anymore. It calls itself Eswatini. Okay, so Liel is pro Eswatini. You're pro Azerbaijan. I'm pro Guinea Bissau. Tell me what does that mean? What does um, that mean? Yeah. Okay, we've we've you know these um, over investment in the political workings of a foreign government reduces complex matters to football support. Now, don't get me wrong. By the way, I am from Manchester, England. Okay, Mm -hmm. this is the capital of what you would call soccer and I would call football. Yes, that's my son. Um, What's the way? Manichian? My Manichian son in law tells me that as well. Yeah. Mancunian. Mancunian. I apologize to the Kennards. (sighs) These terrible, uncultured people. But um, the point is listen, this is the best you're going to get from a guy from Brooklyn, New York. You're doing pretty well. Okay. I recognize that. uh, football is really meaningful to the people mm-hmm. who are football fans. Okay, I'm a football fan. That is my one true faith. I'm a Jew by nationality, but I'm a Manchester United fan by religion. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, uh, so re- football can be really important, but I don't want Israel's complex, many-faced conflicts with various elements in the Arab world, and in particular with the Palestinian people, to be reduced to pro or or anti-Israel. And I think that the issue is the the love of Israel, which is true. These people really do love Israel, mm-hmm. but it is reduced to, it, it can only, when you're that far away, it can only ever be reduced to a very superficial um, thing. And when you try and do something complex, like saying, I love Israel, but because I love Israel, I'm going to tell her the right thing to do, and I'm going to try and force her to do the right thing for herself, 
Okay. Well, I'm going to use my local up. government to force her. I'm going to pressure my government to pressure her government. It, it, it creates many opportunities for things that, in my eyes, are also really unhealthy. Because then you get into the psychology of this whole mess. Okay? Mm-hmm. Who are these people who love Israel so much that they live in America, but their full-time job is to report on human rights abuses of the Israeli government. And they're saying this not as someone who hates Israel, but someone who loves Israel. Mm -hmm. They love Israel so much that they spend all their days looking at ways in which Israel does bad things. To me, that's a weird kind of love. I I was about to start singing crazy kind of love, but I cannot sing. And B, it's beyond crazy. Okay? It's clearly messed up. And that's another thing we've got to understand. People have complex psychological motivations. What does it, how does this person feel when they know that me as a Zionist believes that really they should make Aliyah? Mm-hmm. But because they're not going to make Aliyah, to make them feel better, I'm going to ask them for money. And then they get sick of just giving me money, which I'm using, by the way, to do damage to myself. Okay, I'm using the money to build settlements that are against my long-term interests. That's my view, obviously. Right. Other You're people think different things. Yeah. Okay, Um, so they're going to stop giving me money. Fine. But then they still need to have the connection or they don't stop giving me money. They give me the money and then they say, because I gave you money. Now I'm also going to tell you how to lead your life. That's not a healthy relationship. What I'm saying is we need more honesty. Okay, we need to say, okay, we really do believe you should make Aliyah. I'm, I'm all for going back to Zionism being actual Zionism. Zionism being about the ingathering of the exile. Zionism being about Aliyah Eretz Israel. Okay, but we also have to have a relationship with people who aren't actually Zionist. And that's the point. Instead of saying we want a relationship with the non-Zionist American uh, community, we said, we'll even call you Zionist. We'll call you Zionist just as long as you give us money. And that was a mistake. We have to admit our mistakes. We let the American Jewish community give us money and think that that was Zionism and think that that gave them a right to tell us what to do. Neither of those things are correct. Well, I I, I can I ask. Yeah, sure. Can I ask what, what you think that the Jew, think, organizations like the Jewish Agency and the Ministry of Diaspora Affairs, what kind of messages do you believe that they should be putting out there that they're not right now? I mean, one part of this is, um, and now I really am going to sound like a beep, because if I understand it correctly, you both work for the Jewish Agency, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, you don't. Well, Masai okay. is like a... Is like a door. No, it's, not a Jewish, okay. it's not the Jewish agency. No, no, it's not the Jewish agency. It's it a, is under the again, If we're going to talk about unhealthy relationships that you can't quite be defined, then I guess <laughs> Masai and the Jewish agency uh, is a good one. But yeah. the point is, um, I am in favor of closing down the Jewish agency. Um, mm-hmm. I believe that it's done its job. Um, it was done an incredible job in building up the state of Israel, but it doesn't make sense. It's, it's unclear what it is. Israel now has a government. Israel can look after itself. Um, and yes, Israel will always have a special relationship with the Jewish diaspora. Okay. But it doesn't need a whole Jewish agency to do that. Okay. All Aliyah, um, should be run by the immigration, uh, ministry of, uh, Israel. If Israel already has a, a ministry of diaspora affairs, then why does it actually need also the Jewish agency to to come between, to mediate its relationship with the Jewish diaspora? I don't think it does. Okay. So yes, I am in favor of closing down the Jewish agency. Um, I hold think on, hold that- on. My lawyer just called me one second. Chaim's <laughs> comments do not represent the views of this podcast. And he speaks only for himself and his personal opinion. <laughs> okay. Yeah. No, no, it was just a quick call. I had to, 
um yes obviously i am saying something that won't necessarily be popular in fact i don't know go ahead i mean i think relatively clear so far that i'm not trying to win any popularity contests no no i I think there's a difference between being provocative and being a troll i think you're being provocative i don't think you're being a troll i think you're Um, and i think you're saying things in a provocative way because you're passionate about it but I, I don't think you're being I, – I, and I disagree with a certain amount of what you're saying, but I, I think you're articulating intelligent things. I don't think you're – I don't think you're being I – don't, I don't get the sense that you're being disingenuous or, tr- you know – well, trolling is the word we use. You're not trolling. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. You mean and, it. and I'm not yeah. interested in, in trolling. I also, by the be? way, yeah. have nothing but gratitude to the of Jewish course. agency. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I am someone who has benefited greatly from the Jewish agency. Mm-hmm. Okay. I made Aliyah and it was relatively simple. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's a whole other thing to talk about how p- different people's Aliyah is, uh, is different. Okay. Mm-hmm. And how I was extremely privileged as someone born to two Jewish parents and all those, and being Ashkenazi and all those things that made my Aliyah easier than other people's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and not that Aliyah is just easy. Okay. Immigration is immigration. Doesn't matter where you do it from or where you do it to. It's complicated. It's messy. It's stressful, et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Um, and though I do believe that if someone really, really wants to be part of the Jewish story, they should make Aliyah. I actually personally wouldn't be someone who goes around saying everyone should make Aliyah. Because for me, it's actually been hugely stressful. And, you know, my life would certainly be a lot easier if I'd stayed in England. Okay, so I'm but not I think that's really the history. Where... But I do think that's the history of why Israel and the term in the Zionist term was shlilata ha that that we we pr- present the diaspora as something negative. I think that change in tactics and thinking is is not so much a, a, a marketing choice, but I think it's the recognition of what you just said that over the decades, you know, Ben Gurion, who was you know the only Talmudic quote I know of that Ben Gurion used to say is whoever. Whoever lives outside of the land, any Jew that lives outside of the land, is as if they are an idolater. He used to love that quote from the Talmud. He wasn't a big Talmud guy, but 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 that you don't hear that from Israeli politicians anymore. And I think part of it is the recognition that it's just not realistic to talk about millions of Jews showing up here. Mm, there you go, Mike. Sorry, no. Um, you think it I, is realistic? I, uh, don't get me wrong; it is it is unrealistic to think that the American yeah. jury will make mass aliyah. That for sure is unrealistic. That's not why we stopped um, encouraging mass aliyah. Millions of Jews did turn up here. Okay, mm-hmm. we're now the when largest Jewish community in the world. Yeah, okay? when but they're they fleeing something. From, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right, aliyah makes sense. Not you know there are some crazy people like you, like me, okay, who really don't know what's good for them and will happily swap a relatively easy, privileged, middle-class existence um, in uh, wherever, Brooklyn or Manchester. We're very um, weird. For a ridiculous existence, having to drive on the same roads as these beep, 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 beep that we drive on here in Jerusalem and around Israel. That was you cursing again or that was your impression of the cars? Oh, true. That it could double. Yeah. It could double. Yeah. It was me cursing again. But there yeah. you go. Okay. The point is, we we are crazy. Okay, and most people are. Okay, but there has been loads of Aliyah. Now mm-hmm. the point is that that's part of the Zionist story. Zionism mm-hmm. as an idea was the Jews would take control of their destiny again. But of course, 
That can be done in one of two ways. Either you identify nationally as a Jew and you come be part of the Jewish National Project, or as an individual, you say, I've got it good in wherever I am, and my Judaism will be part of my identity. And right, I but- don't have a moral I don't have a moral case against the second of those. I don't right. have a problem with my friends who have decided that the Jewish national project is not what's going to be the fulfillment of their life. There's a term you you talked about Shlilata Gola, there's also Shlilata Galut. Okay? Mm-hmm. Gola was the physical exile. Okay? Mm-hmm. Galut is a spiritual exile. It's the mm-hmm. idea that you are not living wholly or solely as a Jew. Okay? Jews classically lived in Gola. Mm-hmm. That means they were always entirely Jewish. Okay. They just weren't able to live here. After emancipation and enlightenment, Jews basically didn't live in Gola. Okay. I mean, they did the vast majority who didn't uh, have emancipation or enlightenment. Okay. But the ones who had emancipation and enlightenment, who went through that process, basically were no longer in exile because they were welcomed and allowed to be parts of the countries they were in. Of course, we all know how that history ended in the place where the Haskalah, the Jewish enlightenment, first started in Germany. Okay, it's not a great story, and I think I think that you know that's part of it. But it doesn't matter. The Jews of America today, okay, are American citizens, and they are Americans. They are also Jewish. I am not also Jewish. I'm an Israeli. An Israeli and Mm -hmm. Jewish in this sense essentially for me means the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So those are two different answers to how do we end Jewish exile. One is go home and live your life Jewishly as a Jew nationally. And the other is be an American citizen who is also a proud, practicing, creative, wonderful Jew. Okay. But we have to recognize that whether we like it, dislike it, doesn't matter. The second option isn't the Zionist option, right. okay? When when Zionism basically watered itself down in order to play ball with American Judaism and American Jewry and the American Jewish establishment, um, no, we should go back to a Zionism that says, okay, Zionism is about Aliyah, about this place being the Jewish national home, okay? And Zionism can have friendly relations with non-Zionist Jewish communities around the world. And that's fine. Instead of having to pretend that that non-Zionism is also Zionism. Um, that's my point. And I think yeah. that when you say, no, there was, we kind of came to the understanding that people weren't going to make Aliyah, that's fine. Okay. Most comfortable Jews are not going to leave their comfort for a romantic um, notion of being part of the Jewish people and and returning to um, a spiritual home, okay, and I and I recognise that, and I don't think, and I don't judge that either, okay. Or what I'm saying home. is, we we shouldn't call we shouldn't call the the remaining desire to stay connected to Israel Zionism. That's not what Zionism is, okay. Zionism I, 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 isn't. I understand sorry, what you're saying, but what, what I'm saying is. Oh, sorry. What I'm saying is you, you and I get to talk that way because we're educators. I don't think diplomats and politicians get to speak that way because part of the, the language of the diplomat is to avoid friction and to speak in, and find the common ground where our language overlaps. So I, I think that's great. What I'm saying is you're thinking yeah. that me saying someone isn't a Zionist is, is somehow insulting to them. I think that that's, that's the problem. We the, part of the problem is no. Zionism I don't think that. One, I don't think that. 
I think that if you're an Israeli politician talking to an American Jewish audience, you're looking, uh, politics works by addition, not subtraction. And so you're looking for commonality and you're emphasizing commonality. And so the language of commonality ends up shifting into we're good the way we are. Let's figure find the shared interest and work together. That's a natural process. I, I, we're not really disagreeing on what happened. You're just giving it. A, 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 you're just describing it with an intentionality uh, and a certain. Uh, uh, I don't know. Cynicism. I, 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 like, yeah, it's a cynicism that 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 you know that Israeli Zionist leaders are, are mercenary, and I, I, I think that's uh, ungenerous. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, so, so I, I'm going to try and own it. I'm saying yeah. I think we I, I'm fully part of this. I think we have made a mistake. Yeah. Okay. O- over the generations. Okay. And I also think to go back to that, you know, Israeli politician. I don't think Israeli politicians should be talking to American Jews. Like that's part of the problem. Not they shouldn't talk to them. I think it's fine for everyone to talk. But American politicians and diplomats should talk to American politicians and diplomats. Okay. The relationship that Jews outside of Israel have with Israel shouldn't be on the political level. That's what I'm trying to say. That's not, that's what everything comes down to here. Like once you've decided you want a political relationship with the Jewish state or with the state of Israel or with Jewish power, that means you've said, I want to be part of it. And if you want to be part of it, come and be part of it. Was it wrong okay? of me as an American citizen to go stand in front of the Capitol with hundreds of thousands of people to uh, protest the genocide in Darfur, since we don't live in Darfur. And if no, we wanted I'm, I'm to saying, solve that problem, we should have moved to Darfur? No, I'm not saying you can't be part of uh, politics in places that aren't your own. I 100% believe that you can be part of uh, politics that aren't your own. When you stood outside the capital and said, we stand with Darfur, did anyone think that you were a Darfurian? No. Would anyone have attacked you for being uh, somehow connected to Darfur? No. Okay. And that's the point. The the confusion of the anti-Semite, okay, when we say it's anti-Semitic to attack Jews um, because of the actions of Israel, I agree with that. It is anti-Semitic. Okay? That's not okay. But the point is the confusion isn't in the uh, in the eyes of the anti-Semite alone. The confusion is in our eyes. Okay? We can't... Um, see the boundaries okay one of the things is if you can't see the boundary between i love israel and therefore i'm going to tell the american government to pressure the israeli government to stop the occupation and what's an actual thing is i love israel so i'm going to be an israeli and tell the israeli government that we collectively as a we okay as as this body that i pay taxes to we need to end the occupation that's really problematic for me i think i think the issue here is you know, we need to change the way we're having a conversation. We shouldn't be talking about how does an Israeli politician talk to American Jews. Don't get me wrong, Israeli politicians are welcome to go and talk to American Jews, but they should talk to them as either Jews to Jews or Israelis to Americans. Mm-hmm. But the 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 blob, the the unhealthy mass that's been created by this idea that somehow American Jews have a political voice in what happens in Israel, okay, is not just unhealthy for Israel, it's not just unhealthy for um, uh, for American Jews, it's also an ethical issue, okay? It also means that there are plenty of American Jews doing what they think is the right thing to do without realizing that they're disenfranchising Israelis, 
Okay, their voice is now more important to the Israeli government than mine. Hold on a second, how did that happen? Mm-hmm. How is it that my, you know, getting shot at in a hummus field in Kfar Giladi during the Second Lebanon War doesn't mean that my government's going to listen to me. They're going to listen to the people who don't have to go to Milouin for three months. So they've got a really cushy job and they make lots of money and they get send that money to Israel and their money buys them more influence over the politics of this country than I get for being in the hummus field. Right. Well, if I, I don't. Yeah, you'd have to you'd have to show me evidence that. That, I, I don't find it compelling to think that American Jewry has more influence over the Israeli government and its policies. Certainly, certainly not historically. That the uh, average Israeli does. Yeah. Well, you're pointing out that in a democracy where millions of people each get one vote, we have and and we can go into the street and protest. We have we 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 always teach our students about the importance of your voice in democracy. But when you break it down by the numbers. We have tiny, tiny little micro voices each. Right, but we still believe in the ideal of democracy. Correct, and we vote. So each person has a a responsibility to their own democracy and to make sure that their voice is heard, but they also have a responsibility to not interfere with the democracy of others. We've had four elections in the last two years. You're saying that we, the voters of Israel, have had less impact on Israeli politics than American Jews? I don't. I, I, I I get what you're arguing. I just think in that particular case... Uh, I don't think that needs to be the problem to make your point, I guess is what I'm saying. Like, you're, no, you're, I, I agree with you. Yeah. That, that's one one yeah. tiny problem among many. It's it's merely a symptom. You vote. Uh, I don't uh, think uh, you're disenfranchised. Uh, I do vote, and I'm not entirely disenfranchised. Yeah. But in any country, there is um, different levels sure. of how much uh, people have a say. I come from a country that I consider not to be a democracy. Okay? I come from the United Kingdom. By its very name, you know it's not a democracy. It can't be a kingdom and be a democracy, right? Well, no, it can be. It's a it's a liberal okay. democracy in the sense that the citizens have liberty and freedom. How they choose their leaders or what they call a leader in a Jeffersonian modern dem- democratic sense is less crucial than the fact that the people are free, which to me is, yeah. is the key element of a democracy. And of and, course, and, right. But what you're saying is it's complicated. Okay. Well, democracies have always been complicated. So, so what I'm saying is it's also there, complicated. There, it, by that standard, there's never been a democracy ever. Uh, if you want an but, uncomplicated democracy, then there's never been a democracy. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. But but what we know is the smaller the uh, democracy, the more pure it can be. Okay. Um, the less need for, for divisions between the people and their representatives and the people and their will being um, allowed to happen. Now, I... I, I you know, there are lots of arguments to be had around democracy. You you mentioned that we need to begin to work towards an end. And I, I don't think that's the productive conversation to have. And I hope it kind of yeah. maybe gets edited out. But um, we'll have to have you um, back. But, uh, but um, you know, what we're talking about is, you know, I guess I'm setting out a, um, a challenge. Mm-hmm. I want someone to find a way um, that American Jews can keep their passion Mm-hmm. And keep their desire for the best thing to happen um, in Israel to happen. Okay. And they can keep their activism. Okay. But I believe that the current model of how that plays out. Okay. And I think it's just as bad on the right and on the left. I'm saying I care about what happens on the left because I actually agree with those people about what needs to happen. Okay. I'm not a rightist. Okay. I don't believe that Israel should carry on doing what it's doing. Okay. Um, Uh, I'm I'm in agreement with my friends in the American Jewish left over what needs to happen. We disagree about how it should happen. 
how it should come to be. Um, and I think it's something that is for me on the left, but rightists can have the same issue. Okay. Um, the, there are 101, I imagine, examples of the similar concept being done on the right. I'm talking about it on the left because I'm on the left. Um, but the, you know, and, and part of the problem is, of course, I'm seen to be a reactionary conservative. I'm seen to be on the right by members of the American Jewish mm -hmm. left, not because mm -hmm. I'm actually on the right, not because my You're saying that from experience or, or because you fear that? I've been told that. I've been, told, been told that, that. Your, de your desire to stop me butting into your problem is because you are a reactionary right wing, occasionally called racist. It doesn't matter. The point is that well, then you they're, know, just it's not, very they're not hard. listening to you. No, it's not they're not listening. It's very hard to be told, I want you to butt out without hearing at the same time, I disagree with your actual values and policies and, and what you want to achieve. Uh, I, because I don't that's think the that's, point. Not for an intelligent person. I think a reasonable intelligent person can, you're, you're articulating clearly, I think a reasonable intelligent person listening generously and not pigeonholing you into my opponents are all X. I, 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 don't, think, I don't think you need to be extraordinarily intellectually nimble to understand your point that you're telling your allies that they need to use different methods than you because they're they they are legally and geographically separated from you. I don't think I don't think the case you're making should be that hard for for a genuinely open-minded person to understand. I, I don't I don't know I'm not without endorsing your position or not endorsing. Well, I don't well, know. I guess that raises the question what it kind of begs the question what response did you get after posting what you posted and writing what you wrote? I mean the the truth is the vast majority of my American Jewish friends who are highly engaged in those organizations that I was critical of, and I named the names of those organizations. I'm not sure if it's appropriate to do so here now, okay? But they you. just ignored it. Mm -hmm. um, they, they ignored it. They're not interested in, mm -hmm. in that conversation. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, they may see it as a distraction as well. Like, they believe yeah. that what they're doing is just and justified, okay? And they want to carry on doing it. Um, and that's fine. And they're engaged um, in argument A, and you're you're saying separately, sub argument, you know, B is is to them like I, I just don't have the headspace for it right now in my social media diet. Yeah. I think is probably, but you but know, and uh, the ones the ones who did came and picked small points with what I'd said. Oh, it's ridiculous for you to use uh, the term colonialism. You're clearly a right winger, um, mm -hmm. and you know, etc. And, and that's from someone who I actually love, love and respect. Okay, mm -hmm. but there was no genuine engagement with, you know, do I have a responsibility as a non-Israeli to have clear red lines about what kind of actions I need to take with regard to the American government or the UK government? And no one was willing to say, you know what, I am, uh, I am on the left. And I want Israel to end the occupation, but I recognize that not having made Aliyah means there are certain things I cannot do. And you know what? the uh, interesting uh, thing uh, is, those people who say that, by the way, tend to end up on the on the Jewish right, okay, one way or another, yeah. because um, because they're they're chucked out of the Jewish left for not being willing to act against Israel, mm -hmm. okay. Um, and eventually, over time, they they take that hurt and they turn it into a dislike of the Jewish left, and then they adopt many positions on the Jewish right. Well, I'll tell you. I mean, I, I think it, that that last articulation, I think for me, was super helpful in terms of formulating what you're saying. You're, you're not even arguing what those lines need to be necessarily, but it does seem that if you don't live in Israel, 
your political action about internal Israeli issues should have some lines and should have some moral boundaries. And, and, and maybe organizations should articulate them and choose them. And we might disagree about where those boundaries might be. But to act as if there should be no boundaries does seem strange, not only from a Zionist perspective, but just from a moral perspective. And You're, I'm relatively we, you, sure. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I'm relatively sure that the people in those organizations would say, of course, there are lines and we respect them. OK, but one they? of the things that for me, well, th they would say, I imagine, you know, we're not going to fund um, Palestinian organizations that use violence to end the occupation. Well, that's one that's, of the red lines that they're not going to they're not going to cross. And that's I a red line say, in general. I, yeah. Yeah, right. That's exactly. Good. I would say, okay, that's a relatively easy, obvious one. Yeah. But why are you willing to use the American government, okay, to to pressure Israel? Because I it think spends that's $3.8 billion a year on, on, on helping Israel. So the American government should have a say. And as a taxpayer who funds that $3.8 billion, I should then have a say. Right. My issue is, if you really are someone who cares about Israel and is a Zionist even, and believes yeah. that Jews should run their own affairs, isn't then the thing to do to say, America, stop funding Israel, and at the same time, stop funding Egypt, and stop funding Saudi Arabia, and stop trying to um, bribe Iran not to have a bomb. All those things just butt out. Okay, now don't get me wrong, plenty of people will come and say to me, are you crazy? Israel would be driven into the sea without America's support. Yeah. And that's one thing where I just simply fundamentally disagree. Yeah, I, disagree. I don't think Israel will be uh, driven into the sea without American support. Israel didn't have American support until 1967. America was kind it didn't of have it really forth. in 1967 either. We won Israel the 67 with French weapons, not American. Right, exactly. You know, we were buying dodgy uh, planes from Czechoslovakia in 1948. Okay. Uh -huh. um, and the truth of the matter is, you know, Israel does obviously have to negotiate in the world uh, political sphere. Okay, and we're going to go occasionally with America and occasionally with someone else, etc. But I actually think the healthy thing for Israel would not to be a vassal of the America. And when you say no, that's wrong. Israel needs American support. I would claim that's an anti-Zionist position. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm a bit of a radical because then someone would say, well, hold on a second. Isn't Herzl also an anti-Zionist? Okay, and I would say, well, actually, if we come down to it, yes. Okay, Herzl's position was that he got into the Zionist organization, he set up a Zionist organization, but there were Zionists before Herzl. And what they talked about was Jewish self-determination. Okay. And well, yes, I, we did do Jewish self-determination. He said we need to get the great powers on, on board. And and I think mm -hmm. in his time, Herzl did the right that's, thing. I think, the difference. But if Herzl was here was today, talking... I don't think he'd be telling yeah. us we need to be a vassal of America. Or if he mm -hmm. did need to be telling us, he'd get chucked out. And we'd no, I think go with someone a, else's vision. I think he was a late 19th century Zionist. In other words, I wouldn't say right. he's not a Zionist. He was in that era, that was the motives. The, the motives, the ideology was the same. The methods depended on the on the, the time and place, which is what good leaders do. Although I think also. it goes beyond motives. Uh, it goes beyond methods, sorry. I think the issue of Jewish self-determination is is absolutely basic to Zionism. Mm -hmm. And I think that if you say that Israel should be the vassal of America, should be um, dependent upon America, then actually that's fundamentally an anti-Zionist position. Um, and, uh, and, uh, uh, and that's fine. I, I'm quite happy to work together with anti-Zionists mm -hmm. for shared uh, causes. But we should be able to label and talk honestly about what these things are. 
Okay, and for me personally, if you want Israel to do something, tell the Israeli government. You don't have to be you don't have to be an Israeli citizen to tell the Israeli government something, but you don't pressure the American government to then pressure the Israeli government, and that for, that for me is fundamental. Yeah, again, I, I don't I don't know that. Uh, listen, you. We didn't invite you to agree with everything you're saying, but but you're you're making very coherent Zionist arguments from a, 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 a clear sense of the boundaries of what Zionism is. And if you're, you're what you're arguing is, we have if we really are Zionists, then we strategically should choose Zionism as the end goal, and therefore that should be reflected in how we talk and what we do. Although I, tactically. Zionist leaders haven't done that. We, we've watered down our language tactically because we thought it would be more effective. And that's led to this confusion, which I think is just <clears throat> what you're describing is sort of the natural course of human affairs. That's how life is muddier yeah. than ideologies. But as an educator, you right. like ideological clarity and the world doesn't tend to give that back to us when we, when we ask for it. And I'd also agree, you know, I could end up being proved horribly wrong, you know, Food, food, food. Someone says, you know, that Chaim Shalom said uh, Israel should no longer take uh, America's $3.8 billion. You know, someone could somehow get it into their head that, okay, let's just not take it. And because of mm -hmm. that, you know, uh, Iron Dome falls into disrepair. And because of that, you know, we all we all get driven out of here. Okay. You know, history could 100% prove me wrong. Sure. Okay. And ideology is only goes so far and we live mm -hmm. in a world of compromise. Mm -hmm. I agree with all that. But I also think that we can also look back and say, you know, there are certain choices we made and they may not have been mistakes. Maybe Israel would never have come about mm -hmm. if it hadn't brought on board the American Jewish establishment that wasn't really Zionist. No, you're not okay? condemning the, the, where thing, how things got to where we are. Exactly. You're saying how do exactly. we move I'm forward saying, in a healthy way? Right, right. Now we need to say, I'm all in favor of throwing out the term Zionism. I'm not sure it's helpful at all. But the reason why it's not helpful is because it doesn't mean anything, because we made a deal way back when to say that a whole bunch of people who, had, who weren't really Zionist can call themselves Zionist and we can all be on the same team. And instead of asking you to come here, we're just going to ask for your money. So I, um, I, I, I try, we try to articulate with our students what the difference is between pro-Israel and Zionist. You're saying pro-Israel shouldn't be as you know really thought of as deeply meaningful, but there is th those distinctions. I think I, I think are helpful. And also, are we talking about Zionism as a feeling of connection to Israel, or are we talking about the modern political ideology? So I I, I think it's important. I, look, it's always enjoyable to speak to a fellow educator who from from within the field of Zionist and Israel and Jewish education. So I wasn't kidding when I said we have to have you back for further <laughs> discussions because I do sure. think that your that your passion comes out in, uh, uh provocatively but I think that's a good thing because it gets people thinking. So uh we thank you for the post, we thank you for the engagement. You know it's funny. I always I always when I'm hosting these I always feel like a right winger because I'm really at the center. I mean, I know everybody thinks they're at the center, and I'm one of those people. But we we can't get right wingers on the show. I don't know why. So we always end up getting. I, I probably shouldn't be thinking this out loud right now because we're trying to wind down the podcast. And that's a <laughs> Go whole other. For it. Go for it. Yeah. No, that's a whole other thing. I don't. I don't know what it is. It's very strange. I would like to. But anyway, uh, really, thank you. Thank you for your for your thought and your passion, and for making us think. And and really, we have what to go back with now. And how do we think about this? And how do we talk to our students? And how do we? It, it, it's really excellent. It's a really important subject matter right yeah. now. I think it's really relevant to what's happening. 
Yeah. Also yeah, yeah, yeah. with our students and also in general, just the Jewish world at large, I think is something that is really bubbling. This conversation is very much bubbling. And I'm with you. I find the world infuriatingly fuzzy and I'm constantly seeking clarity. <laughs> and all right, that's just, that's just what we do because we're the kind of weirdos who move to Israel because we believe in some sort of ideological coherence. But right. What are you going to do? I, I, I sometimes say, uh, no, what is it? I don't say coherence is for soup. What's for soup? Consistency. Consistency <laughs> is for soup. It's for soup. Um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yes, coherence is for glasses, which we both wear. Uh, yeah. Maybe we should, you know, take a, a lesson from Liel and be without our glasses and see the world fuzzy. I'm sure she sees the world fine because she's still young enough to not need glasses, but there you go. Yeah. Well, again, thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. Uh, this has been really super fun. And uh, thanks to Matt for uh, making this happen. Thank you. Thank you very, very much. All the thanks. best. Thanks, Thank Liel. We don't have to end the Zoom, but it's the end of the episode. So let's stop the recording. Bye. Bye. Masat Israel Journey is dedicated to shaping a promising future for the young Jewish individual, the global Jewish community, and the connection to the state of Israel. Masat offers life-transforming, long-term opportunities in Israel that allows fellows to create their own future. Check out MasaIsrael.org for more info.